Hello and welcome to the JCR, a Massey podcast, where people and ideas intersect. I'm Pranjo Tuari, a graduate student in physics at the University of Toronto, and joining me today is Li Ting Lu. Hi everyone, my name is Li Ting and I'm a PhD student at the Rotman School of Management, uh, studying accounting in environmental contexts. I'm also a junior fellow at Massey College. And today we'll be exploring what role large companies should play in protecting the environment, something we all care about. So I guess the important question, why should a company be responsible for the environment? Yeah, that's that's the big question of, I think, the decade. So for a really long time, I would say most of this, the 20th century, uh, the corporate governance model, so the way that companies were governed, very much surrounded shareholder wealth. So doing what you can to bring value to your shareholders, as people like to say. Um, and so all the decisions around how the company operated centered on that tenant. And there were croppings of different types of governance models that came up, but never really took hold. And then you come to where we are currently in time, where we have an enormous uh, wave of what they call ESG concerns, where we're concerned about the environment, about social causes, and how all of that affects governance practices, the G and the ESG, of companies. My particular area of research is usually on large companies because that's where we have publicly available data that we can assess. And and so we're in this, we're caught up in this big wave and it's the biggest one I think that's ever happened. And we're really seeing people question that original uh, shareholder-centric model and bring about new ways of thinking. And for the first time, really, there's a pervasive new way of thinking among executives, at least the way that they are talking about corporate environmental practices and extending a company's responsibility beyond the financial stakeholders and thinking about Um, What do we owe to our local community or even the global community? So it's a shift in attitude among executives or also shareholders? I would say it's a pervasive shift in many areas of our society. I think our generation maybe grew up riding that wave, but it's definitely being felt in areas that didn't take these environmental concerns as seriously. So that's why I mention um, these business contexts. Uh, It really has taken a while, I think, for environmental issues to pervade like boardrooms. So it's not that only executives are feeling um, this shift. It's that we're we're being able to observe that shift now in them. And how are companies motivated to think about their environmental impacts? Yeah, that's a good question and kind of what I wanted to tack on to what I was just saying is I, I don't necessarily mean to imply that everyone does care about these environmental issues. A lot of people argue that businesses don't need to. Um, the incentives exist outside of these, uh, I guess, more puritanical ways of thinking. A lot of data shows that 
caring about the environment in however which way a company chooses to express that draws a lot of financial benefits. So in the U.S., there's a huge anti-ESG movement. In a lot of states, they're trying to, or legislators are proposing laws that would prevent investment vehicles from putting their money towards green initiatives or ESG-related initiatives. A lot of those have been struck down, citing financial concerns. So if we were to completely remove ESG from our, uh, our investment decisions, this would cost our investors X million dollars. So it makes financial sense for businesses and asset managers to consider their investments from an ESG perspective. So that's a huge incentive. Uh, and at the same time, I'm sure there are the societal level concerns uh, where the sole purpose of a business in some people's eyes may not be to only generate shareholder wealth. It may be to at least not damage the environment, if not improve it somehow. Can you give some examples of how environmental and social initiatives might create profit for a company? Sure. So uh, the one that comes to mind first is when it comes to investing by retail investors. And what I mean by retail investors is someone like you or me, just a everyday person, especially millennials. You know, we're coming into a lot of money now as we age up. And we are the generation that seems to care the most so far compared to the generations before us, not surprising. And when we are looking to invest our money, a lot of us look at environmental or social concerns. So if a wealth simple fund um, is labeled green and nothing too specific other than green, and um, you have a comparable wealth simple fund that's just standard, a lot of us will choose the green fund because we feel like we want our money to do something good in the world, uh, aside from accruing you know, value for us. So just the decision to label a fund green, even if it's not backed up by very much, will draw a lot of fund flows to that fund. And increasing fund flows is great for investment managers of that fund. They, they earn income based off of the size of the fund, assets under management. So that's a way in which environmental concern or expressing environmental concern can be a good thing for your profit driven mindset. And then there are broader examples. So the way a corporation's brand reputation is perceived by the greater public, by rebranding their logo in a greener color scheme, for example, or, you know, actively taking on a green initiative, both those things, perhaps on different scales, can improve your brand reputation and increase the likelihood with which customers are willing to spend or alternatively doing the opposite, such as expressly being against green initiatives that may drive companies or that may drive investors in droves away from your business. What role can governments play in encouraging a company to be more green? We're seeing the effect that governments can have in this whole ESGification of businesses in the United States. Uh, Biden's administration introduced the Inflation Reduction Act which is one of the biggest investments 
that a government has made in trying to reduce carbon emissions. So by offering financial incentives for businesses to reduce carbon pollution, uh, you're making it less expensive to be green, potentially more lucrative than not to be green. I believe businesses aren't actively trying to harm the environment, but based off of how they've been set up and how our capital markets have been set up, a lot of things that incentivize profits also lead to more pollution and poor, uh, poor environmental outcomes. And so changing uh, those incentive structures is how governments can step in. So what can a company do if it wants to be more green? Again, a really good question. I think a lot of companies do want this, and there are many structural obstacles and just financial feasibility issues in the way. From my perspective, I I study accounting and we're all about information disclosure. Giving people information more often than not leads to better outcomes. So even if you're a company and you're scared to release this information, on the whole, once you've done so, better economic decisions can be made. And maybe it's a bit difficult in the beginning with that transparency, but over time, as everyone becomes transparent, it should lead to a new equilibrium where we're all making decisions based off of not only financial information, but environmental information as well. So that's to say, within your limitations, disclose the information that you have, and you may not have the infrastructure to measure your carbon right now or to Um, know exactly what your scope two or scope three emissions are. Sorry, uh, scope one, scope two? So there are three uh, categories of emissions. Scope one being the most direct as, as a direct cause of your business and scope three being the least direct, so the most indirect and peripheral. And that is notoriously difficult to measure. So recognizing that there are these limitations and it takes time to ramp up your systems in order to meet these disclosure or reporting desires. It's about taking those steps to get there. So I don't think it's unreasonable to say that this is going to happen regardless. We're seeing everybody, all the companies, all the major industry players heading towards this direction. So it's a bit inevitable at this point. I I don't think anyone is out there second guessing that. And if you're a company and you want to be more green, disclose what's actually happening. And you you may feel pressure based off of that from your stakeholders to change your operations. And that's that's how governance has worked, right? You feel certain pressures from your stakeholders and you adjust accordingly. So that's, that's the disclosure piece. Changing your real actions is very important, of course. If there's a way that you can conduct your business um, while creating less harm to the environment, then we're all the better for it. Easier said than done because perhaps that comes at a higher cost to you and a hit to your profit margins. I think it's really important to think longer term. Uh, a lot of us, you know, if we're... A manager at a company, we're only going to be there for, you know, maybe a decade, perhaps even just one year. So it's easy for short-termism to run your decision-making. But 
as a species, we should really be thinking much longer term. When we all take a longer horizon, I think we'd be surprised how similar all of our decisions would be. So if we think for the long term, we will all be more aligned in our decision making? Much more so than, than this short termism issue. Yeah. So the benefit to that would be to increase your ESG rating to be more attractive to millennial investors, is that right? I think from a face value standpoint, yes. If you're very concerned about how you're being perceived in terms of your ESG performance, then making these disclosure and real changes will definitely help on that front. Of course, talking about disclosure and real changes, we come to the issue of greenwashing. It's very easy to be incentivized to greenwash. I just have to say something or create a greener perception without actually backing that up with any real action. Right now, there aren't very many barriers to doing that either. So it's easy to understand why greenwashing is so prevalent. So I guess this is really back to your earlier question, but if a company really wants to be greener and not just appear to be greener, tying together the disclosure and like brand reputation management with something substantial is really key to the whole thing. And you brought up the term greenwashing. Could you go into a bit more about what that means? Yes. So I think we hear the term thrown around a lot. The broadest form, because I think it is a broad action, the broadest form of greenwashing would be really anything that, let's say, companies do to appear greener than they really are. So I mentioned just having a green logo or uh, putting carbon in the name of a fund. Are there any public examples of allegations of greenwashing? There are, there are a lot. I think I feel like listeners will have seen it in the headlines, but um, banks get accused of greenwashing very often where they have a green campaign um, alleging how environmentally friendly they are and how much they care. And then you find that they are backing one of the largest oil companies in the world. And of course, it's always more nuanced than that. Maybe they've decreased their level of investment in that oil giant over the years, and they really are working towards a greener portfolio. And so really underlying all of this and this entire conversation is the need to see something and sit and stay and observe a bit longer, think a little bit deeper. So perhaps that's the case. Perhaps this bank is taking real measures to trying to have a better environmental impact, but maybe it's not. Maybe they've really made no substantial changes to the way they're interacting with these um, oil and gas companies. And there's no way of knowing from an, an initial look. So it's important, even with headlines, once you read them, don't just take them at face value. Sit a while longer and just spend a few more minutes to form your own opinion. I can't imagine companies are very happy about being accused of greenwashing. How do they typically respond to these allegations? Yeah, they're, they're not, and I can't blame them. One thing I'll say is I don't think we should villainize companies necessarily. Some definitely deserve it, but very commonly 
especially with social media, people act on impulse and there isn't that additional layer of investigation. I think most companies have areas that they need to improve in. It's important that we are vigilant in calling out the most egregious offenders because that has no place, I think. I don't think that's a controversial statement. You know, if, if you're responsible for the largest oil spill in the last century, that's egregious. You're damaging the environment and landscapes and biomes. Uh, but in terms of trying to hold other companies accountable, uh, always have that nuance. And I think doing that will allow collaboration and cooperation because we need these companies to change. Like they are an important part of this process. I don't think going head to head with them is necessarily the best way of doing that. But the way that they respond, mostly they don't say much. I look at social media callouts of these companies and they, they usually just don't respond. Or, but sometimes they will try to counter the claims being made against them. Very, very rarely will they admit to greenwashing. Mm -hmm. And I think from their perspective, they can see the nuance in what they're doing. It's always easier when you're on the inside. And so maybe there's some fairness to that. I think we could use some more transparent accountability. Like, I want to see a company go out there and say, you know what, yes, we should not have phrased this in this particular way. We are still on our way to meeting our environmental goals, and we will be more careful in how we talk about that. I think if more companies could do that, we would move further along in our fight for greater transparency and better business practices. Does this happen a lot, where a company is called out for greenwashing and there is a mass public response to the allegations? I would say it's become more and more frequent in news headlines. There are at least a dozen in recent years in major news publications, articles alleging specific companies of greenwashing or t discussion of greenwashing as a major obstacle in our climate change fight. And on social media, it happens constantly. They don't always get picked up when there is a flurry of activity and a peak in the outrage that people express. Because there is outrage in seeing a large company actively mislead you or appear to actively mislead you. It, it happens very frequently. So I see it happening for large companies that are in the public eye. A company like Exxon, for example, there are rarely any quarters in recent years where they do not receive that kind of negative greenwashing attention. And how does your research inform what we know about greenwashing? So I'm, so I'm looking at how the public plays a role in disciplining corporate greenwashing. Do companies care when they get called out? Does being a member of the public and showing expressing concern actually create a response or a change in conduct on the side of the company? I'm looking specifically at whether these outrage events on social media lead to changes in the way a company talks about their performance. And I've learned a lot from it. I think 
I, I've mentioned this a few times, but the issue is a lot more complicated than just pointing the finger always accurately and having the other side change their ways. Often you may be misfiring, you may be targeting companies that are actually doing relatively well compared to their peers. And of course, all of this depends on how you choose to measure doing well or being green, which is another message I have for a lot of, of listeners and the public is it's important to determine what your own metric for you know the cause that you care about really is, because that can guide your decisions. And it makes it such that you're not part of the problem of uh, haphazardly caring about these issues. As long as anything is labeled green, you can feel good about investing in it or supporting it. But if you were to ask, well, is it endangered species, the thing that I care the most about, and you look into the investment that you're interested in and you see that that has nothing to do with why they're being labeled green. So I guess that's one of the things I learned along the way and something that I want to encourage the public to do is to really be specific about what you care about. And I think doing that will mean you'll be more knowledgeable and more informed when you do feel the need to take action and do something that may hold companies accountable because voices do matter and companies do pay attention. So if we're going to have this collaboration of stakeholders being a watchful eye over a company and guiding it along this path, that both sides are informed and making decisions that move us along a straighter path rather than you know, misinformation, which leads to other problems. Say there's some public outrage against a company and they claim they will do better. How do you get data to show that they are, in fact, uh, changing their ways? Right. So I used a Twitter API that is no longer available since Twitter has become X to get that Twitter data. I use conference call transcript to gauge what companies are saying about their environmental conduct. And I have a number of different performance metrics to try to gauge the real actions of the company, often ESG-related ratings. Is there a simple way for the average investor to determine if a company is acting in a sustainable manner? I guess it depends on how we define simple. There are those ESG ratings. There are issues with the ESG ratings, of course, because different raters have different ratings. But again, let's say you choose to look at a certain ESG rating and looking specifically at the E part because, for example, you care about the environmental aspect the most. Even that is an aggregated score of its water resource use or the company's carbon emissions or waste generation. And so I guess it's not that simple. If you want to just do the bare due diligence, you could look at the E rating and see if you find that satisfactory. And it doesn't take that much more time, a couple more minutes to look at a smaller dimension of that E score and hopefully one that you care about. And if you dig, usually that information is public. Um, you can learn about what initiatives that company has done to deserve that rating or often what scandals they've been involved with to deserve that rating. 
Looking at news articles can also be informative because they'll report on um, the company's self-reported initiatives as well as things that external parties have picked up on. It's not easy, I think. That's why we're currently in this situation. But if I were to give a piece of advice, I think a good starting point is picking what it is you care about and spending, you know, even if it is just half an hour looking into a particular company in that respect, you will have done more than most people have in trying to direct your money to the right place. Thanks for joining me, Li Ting. Thanks for having me, Pranjal. Li Ting Liu is a PhD candidate in the Rotman School of Business at the University of Toronto and a junior fellow at Massey College. You've been listening to the JCR. I'm Pranjal Tiwari.